If you follow what's happening in central New York, you've probably heard about some of the great local food and drink establishments. But when was the last time you took a chance and tried a new local business? We're heading out on the road for three stops at some local spots for food and drink. That's happening this week on the 315. Digital content on WAER is supported by SRC Incorporated, a not-for-profit research and development company whose goal is to bring a focus of respect, teamwork, and the freedom to innovate to the workplace. Learn more at srcinc.com WAER. Welcome to the 315. I'm Kevin Kloss. And I'm Katie Zolkowski, filling in for Joe Lee, who is still recovering from the series finale of Game of Thrones. And this week, we're taking the show on the road to visit a few local spots where Syracuse residents can get their fill for breakfast, lunch, and just about everything in between. In a city like Syracuse, it's easy to find your favorite spot for lunch or dinner and never experience some of the great new local spots opening up around town. So with that in mind, we jumped in the car, well, Kevin's car, and hit the road in search of some great local nourishment. And we started the only way one can truly start any great adventure, and that's with a great cup of coffee. So, Katie, we're starting our, our journey throughout the Syracuse area to find different locations to take in food and drink uh, with Freedom of Espresso down in Armory Square. Someplace you've been before? I have not. This is my first time. And uh, like many people, I know both of us, we, we like to start the morning with coffee and perhaps the midday and the afternoon with coffee as well. Um, what is your sort of coffee profile? What are you looking for out of a cup of coffee? Normally I look for a dark roast if I'm just getting a cup of coffee, but I do if I go to a place like this because I can't make them at home, I'll normally get like a latte or something like that because if I'm going to buy it here, I want to make sure that it's something I can't get at home. You're thinking latte this morning? Yeah, I think I'll probably go with a latte this morning. Kind of a dark roast guy. I want it to be bitter when it goes down but still enjoyable at the same time. Something that just gives me that jolt, uh, wakes me up first thing in the morning. So, um, you know, inside here, nice, small location, uh, very kind of homey, classic rock, grooving in the background, not that far from the most, kind of a good downtown location. And, uh, you know, not some place that I have gone for coffee before, but that's kind of what we're trying to do today. We're trying to visit some different places and kind of experience maybe some places within the city of Syracuse that people can go to get food and drink that's not part of their normal routine. Everyone, I think, sort of has this different exposure to coffee. Some people started drinking it when they were in high school because that's what their parents were doing. Other people started drinking it in college because there was no sleep. How do you sort of started to get into coffee? Because not, not, not everybody drinks coffee. My wife hates coffee. She prefers just regular water or juice. So for you, you get introduced to coffee how? College, yeah. College was my coffee time, mostly because of, how you said, there was, it was a lot of work and <laughs> sleep, and it was cheap. So it was a good pick-me-up as opposed to having to go home for lunch. It was faster. So I started drinking it just black, and I still just take my coffee black. No cream whatsoever. No cream. 
I wish I was as adventurous as Katie Sarkoski. I need at least a dash of cream, even if I'm getting a dark roast. I want something to take the edge off while I'm swaddling, you know, swallowing down 12 ounces of bitter. I want, I want a little bit of cream if I can. What did you end up getting? I got uh, just a tall latte, a classic latte. No flavors, made with whole milk. That's how it is, I guess. I decided to pick up just a just a tall, medium roast coffee. Um, you were talking to me about something on the drive over that you were concerned about with coffee. What's your What's your sort of like your bugaboo in terms of going to get coffee? I just have to make sure I don't have too much espresso because the one time. What did you call it though? The coffee shakes. Even though I guess it doesn't come directly from coffee, in my experience, it was mostly an espresso issue. Issue, but yeah, one time I just had way too much espresso. I over, I over calculated how much I could take in, and I just was really shaky and jittery for a little while. It's the first time that I'd ever had that happen to me, and so I had to take a nap. So now I'm very mindful of how many shots of espresso go into any of the drinks that I buy at a coffee shop. Uh, so we, we would just say from the roughly five minutes we've spent at Freedom of Espresso coffee shakes, uh, not something we're going to be experiencing today. And while we both enjoy a good cup of coffee and have our fair share of Java, we really needed to talk to someone who knows a little bit more about Freedom of Espresso, and that was the barista on hand, Mark Killian. Regular busy times for you guys. When are times where you guys are just experiencing higher volumes of traffic here? Uh, it depends on the store, to be honest. Here in the Army Square location, it's usually busiest from about 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then again from about lunchtime around 12 to about 2 p.m. And so with this location here, do you find do you find you guys get a lot of uh, foot traffic from people who are, just, who are just downtown? Is it a lot of people who specifically are making a stop on their way somewhere else? Do you have any indication of, like, where your traffic's coming from? About 40% of our traffic is actually people visiting Syracuse. Uh, I've had people come in from all over the world. In fact, a couple months ago, we had a dozen people come in from uh, Serbia. Had a great conversation with them. They're very nice. But I'd say about 30% are people who work in the area. 40% are people uh, visiting from out of town. And the rest of people just happen to be in Army Square from the greater Syracuse area for whatever reason that day. And I've seen, um, I've seen some stuff on social media about um, sort of the art that goes into a latte. Some baristas are able to like do, do shapes and designs. Is that, is that accurate? Correct. Yeah, it depends on how you steam the milk. You want to steam in a certain way that you can um, pour it over the espresso and create those designs with it. If you have a poor steam on the milk, they're not going to be able to do that. But if you're able to steam it correctly, you can usually do that no problem. Uh, so for someone like myself who has no idea what that goes into, what's the, sort of explaining it to, in layman's term, what's the correct way to steam milk? You want to get your wand, your steam wand, from which uh, steam comes into the milk and heats it. You want to get it in the right position in the cup that you're steaming the milk in. If you go too high or too low, then it's going to produce an inconsistent steam result in the milk, hence making it so you can't do the fancy latte art designs as easily or at all sometimes. I want to go what's called uh, microfoam. The microfoam is what you use to do the design. Your coffee is all locally roasted, is that true? Correct, yeah. We roast in our favorite location every morning. Okay, so that's locally roasted in Fayetteville, and then it's just it's brought over here? Or how, does that, how, how does that all work for you guys? Yeah, so actually, our coffee beans and our pastries are made every single morning. 
so the roaster will often get in like 5.30, 6 a.m. every day, start roasting the beans to be delivered to the stores on what we call the pastry run. So the pastry run consists of uh, all the pastries you see over in this case, so like scones, croissants, muffins. They're baked every morning. Um, they arrive at the Fayetteville store 7, load them all up into a car, and then drive to all the stores to have them all delivered by about 9 a.m. So with coffee and lattes in hand, we left Freedom of Espresso in search of the staple of any prominent food journey. That's a local diner. And that eventually led us to All Night Eggplant in East Syracuse. Katie, we're on stop number two. This, this, this is all you. This is all where you decided we were going. I will say it was not solely up to me due to the fact that our first choice has was a little too busy for our liking. Lots of people, a lot of cars, and we are on some time restraints here. We have, we have working days we need to get back to instead of just sitting and eating all day. Diner food's a big deal for me, Katie. I think there's a certain level. I could get bad food at a regular restaurant and that wouldn't be a big deal to me but bad food at a diner that's a big no-no for me um you've been here before looking at the menu you're thinking where are you thinking you're going i think i'm gonna go with the sandwiches which on this menu says sandwiches i'm gonna go there today before i had the french toast and it was decent but i'm more of in a afternoon mode maybe pre-lunch reuben is what i'm thinking Reuben, uh, the sauerkraut's a no-go. Oh, I tend to disagree. I'm a big sauerkraut fan. The more sour, the better. But there definitely are some interesting things on this menu. You can get uh, really any sort of combination of things that you could think of. An egg and olive sandwich. A sandwich with just Swiss cheese. Um, A hot dog. You can get a cottage cheese fruit tray. So these are all things that might not be on your typical diner menu or might be just odder combinations of items. But is getting a hot dog at a diner. My rule is diner food is breakfast food. And if you do it otherwise, I think you're doing it wrong. Fair to say one of the smaller diners you've been to? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, if you think of Mother's Cupboard in the area, there's about six tables in their tops. Um, Rise and Shine, where we were earlier, that's a pretty small one, too. But I guess maybe compared to Stella's or even Rustin's, those would all be bigger diners. So it's a medium size. I'd say it ranks right in the middle size-wise. I would say it's, it's big enough that you can get a table, but small enough that you'll get served quickly. Yeah. I and mean, we've only been here a handful of minutes. Waters have arrived. Order has been taken. Food is on the way. And, you know, it didn't take too long for our food to arrive. I ordered the Reuben. That came with a side of chips. And Kevin, as he made very clear earlier, had to go breakfast and ended up ordering an omelet. I'd say we were both pretty happy with what we got. So, in between bites, as I catch you real quick, a couple bites in, uh, thoughts on the Reuben, a few bites in. It's a pretty thick sandwich here. It's not like a, they're not skimping you at all on that corned beef. So it gets a little messy. Also, the Thousand Island dressing comes on the side. So for all you picky eaters out there, that's a good look for you. But overall, it's pretty good Reuben. I would recommend it. Next, I would get it again, too. 
The sauerkraut is up to your liking. Sauerkraut's decent. It's not the best sauerkraut I ever had, but I have a Polish grandmother, so it's hard to do that, beat that. Uh, I will say one of the defining characteristics of a diner is how full is the thing that I order. And with the omelet I order, as soon as I cut into it and things start falling out of it, that's when I know that we've made a good choice here. So the, the bacon, sausage, and cheddar omelet, um, good a couple bites in. You know, I would say I'm not devouring it with the enthusiasm in which you're attacking the Reuben, but but you, but you were telling me before you're a bigger Reuben fan than French toast. Yes, I'm definitely more of a savory palate than a sweet palate kind of person. So I like the Reuben more than the French toast from the last time I was here. And as we were planning the final stop of the day, Katie, you made it very clear this was not your first local food accomplishment. I think I've been to, no, I haven't been to Dorian's yet, but I've been to every other restaurant on Westcott Street. So Yeti frozen yogurt and just donuts, Las Delicias, Dorian's where I haven't been, Alto Cinco, Beer Belly, Deli and Pub. Oh, and I haven't been to the sushi place either, but then around the corner, there's New St. Urban, and upstairs is Stout Beard, which isn't a restaurant, but it's a brewery. I've been there. What used to be Picasso's is now closed down. Very sad. Recess down the street. Oh, there's the Chinese restaurant, New Garden. I have ordered takeout from there, but I haven't eaten in the restaurant. And Mom's Diner, I've been there. Njad's, uh, Middle Eastern restaurant. And then, to end your night, the last but not least, Taps. So you've been to almost every yeah. restaurant on Westcott Street. Yeah, I live close. Go ahead. So we finished up good brunch, breakfast, brunch? I think it would be a brunch at this point. We're going on 11.30. And 11.30, I don't know about you, but for me, it seems like it's time to uh, give in to the sweet tooth just a tad. So we're headed somewhere for dessert. Uh, so the sweet praxis, downtown Syracuse, East Water Street. Never been there, but we've had coffee at Freedom of Espresso. We've had breakfast slash lunch. So uh, it's time for some dessert and just staying with the theme of what we've been doing today. We're not going to some place that's a chain or that's national. We're going local, uh, the Sweet Praxis. Have you been there? I actually have not been to the Sweet Praxis. So a sweet treat for both of us. When we arrived at the Sweet Praxis, we had the opportunity to chat with one of the managers. But before that, we were faced with the age-old problem facing each dessert lover, and that was what to order. Yeah, the shop is lined with glass cases filled with an array of gluten-free and vegan dessert options. And if you've never had the chance to experience a gluten-free or vegan bake shop, I would highly recommend it. Plenty to choose from, no matter what you're in the mood for. Have you looked at what you're getting? I haven't decided yet. I probably will need one more walkthrough. What are you, are there, like, what are you debating between? I can't tell if I want to go big or let my stomach settle from that Reuben earlier. You want to go big? I don't know about that. Have you ever been here before? I have not. When's the next time you think you'll be back? Maybe if this is good. Okay, so so you need to go big then. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, so, never been in here before, but I've read a lot about you guys. Ingredient-wise, what makes you guys unique? 
We use as many high quality ingredients as possible. So um, for us, that increases um, the quality of the products at the end, as well as the flavors. Um, it's more enjoyable, I think, for customers when uh, the ingredients we're using are not only something they know came from a good source, but you can really taste the, the level of quality. So we get a lot of our ingredients locally. Um, so seasonally, we'll get lavender in the summer from a lavender farm. We get our produce from a number of different farmers who, in the summer months or um, growing season months, they will deliver to other restaurants and we're on their list. Um, we use a variety of different flowers, most of which are milled in New York State, some of which grow right here in um, like central New York area. Um, our eggs get delivered weekly from a local farm. Um, not certified organic because it's very expensive to do that, but she practices organic methods with raising her chickens. Um, we use a local butter for when people ask for a side of butter and all their mm. croissants. Anyway, uh, okay. and then we use exclusively 100% organic sugar, which obviously you cannot get locally, but um, yeah. So, I mean, I just, just looking at a lot of your items, I see a lot of vegan, a lot of gluten-free. Do you find that people are surprised that there's just not a drop-off in terms of like how good your products are given. I think maybe people think it's gluten-free if it's vegan. Like, it, ju it just can't be as good. Do you surprise a lot of people? I think we do. There's, um, I think that's just like a stigma or misnomer for people who are, they're just used to a certain way of eating. And um, it's actually our goal to make sure that uh, no matter what we're producing, no matter what um, dietary restrictions we're introducing a product for, that anybody would enjoy eating it. And we do that for a number of reasons, not only because I don't think there's enough high-quality products that are made and designed just for people that don't eat dairy or don't eat gluten, for instance. But um, I think that if we have a place at the table for everyone, everybody feels included and welcome here. Everybody feels um, encouraged to try new things. There's, like, room for that. And um, that opens up the conversation to maybe, oh, there are really amazing things out there if you take the time to do it. We're, we call ourselves a big lab, meaning... We're constantly experimenting and playing in the kitchen, and that's one of the reasons I think we've developed some recipes that highlight or are even like going above and beyond what normal people would expect a gluten-free product to be. Like our best-selling muffin, a zucchini sunrise muffin, everybody gets it. It sells out almost every day before noon, and that's a gluten-free and vegan muffin. But I don't know. I don't think a high-quality ingredient, just because it doesn't contain something, it's all in how you use it. It doesn't mean it's not or an inferior product in any way. So if we're talking sweet treats for a second, what do you recommend for someone first time in? They're going to try something from your, from your bake lab. Uh, what's sort of something you like to recommend for people? If, if, if it's morning time, well, any time of the day is good for donuts, but our donuts are like one of the things we're most well known for. It's a fluffy brioche dough that's yeasted, and then um, we roll it out, punch it out, lightly fry it in 100% um, non-GMO canola oil, and then it's lightly kind of glazed in a variety of flavors, and that's what people like come to expect from us. It's really interesting donut glaze flavors. It happens to be vegan. Um, most brioche is not, but we worked really hard on that recipe. And um, so that's a great breakfasty sweet. And then in the afternoon, everybody loves our peanut butter buckeye balls. Those are actually gluten-free and vegan too, but for obvious reasons, they're just like sweetened peanut butter dipped mm -hmm. in chocolate. There's no reason it needs to have those other ingredients, but everybody goes sell out almost every day too. We're going to dive into some of these... Uh gluten-free and vegan desserts get great taste and still with a 
you know, nutritious and just whole ingredients. So what are we going to dive into, Katie? All right. So they have their um, cinnamon roll here, which has some orange zest in it for a spring flavor, is what she said. I am no baking expert, so I did not use those words. Um, donut. Um, that is made from the same dough as the cinnamon roll, so they're both vegan. It's an almond joy donut, so chocolate glaze, a few shredded almonds on there, and some coconut shavings. And they have um, a lemon scone, which is their best-selling scone. It's made with fresh lemon juice, lemon zest, and some ginger as well. And then to finish it off, we have these two little peanut butter buckeyes, which she says taste a lot like little truffles. So I'm excited to dig in. So I think I'm just going to start right now. I'm just going to go peanut butter buckeye. Uh, peanut butter and chocolate kind of a can't go wrong for me. And that is some good stuff. You know, I think if I gave this to you and said to you, hey, true or false, uh, you know, this is gluten-free, you would say... You're wrong. But you're not wrong. It's <laughs> gluten-free and vegan. So great ingredients, but also just so much great taste behind it. Yeah, I would not believe that if you said that to me. So what's this one here again? That is a lemon scone. They say it is their best seller. It is made with a lot of butter and heavy cream. And it is also vegan and gluten-free. Oh, no, 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 no. You're, per you're, you're perfectly fine. Uh, and so while Katie dives into that, I'm going to go Almond Joy Donut, which just looks heavenly. Uh, so I just had some of that lemon scone, and it's pretty good. I mean, it's really soft and flaky, and it does have a really nice, light flavor of the lemon and the ginger that go together. It's definitely not heavy, so if, like, you're trying to, like, not be just super full and have something that's, like, really rich, like, it's really nice and not too sweet, but very flavorful, very easy to eat. I can probably eat too many of those without realizing that I don't need to eat too many of those. Funny thing about this last stop was, believe it or not, I'm not really a huge dessert fan. But these items, they were so fantastic. It's definitely on the list now of places that I'm going to stop by when I'm in the area. Thanks for listening to this special food discovery episode of The 315. And a special thank you to Freedom of Espresso in Armory Square, All Night Eggplant on Bridge Street in East Syracuse, and The Sweet Praxis downtown on East Water Street for letting us stop by. If you like what you heard this week and want to see photos from our little food journey, they'll be posted on the show's Facebook page. Just go to Facebook and connect with the 315 CNY. And when you're done there, you can always go back and listen to past episodes of the 315 by going to waer.org. I'm Katie Zolgoski. And I'm Kevin Kloss. Thanks for listening. <laughs>